this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and centre in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today, my guest is Dr. Tom O'Brien. And Dr. Tom is a functional medicine practitioner as well as an author of a book called The Autoimmune Fix. Welcome to you, Dr. Tom. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. And especially because you're in Australia. I love Australia and Australians. They're just the best people. You know, I'm going to tell you a joke to start off with. This is really funny. I was on stage uh, uh, in the Gold Coast, um, a full day event. And at one point, I was talking about how people sometimes don't want to give up the things they love to eat. And when they, they give up some things, but not others, and then they continue to feel a little bit better, but not great. And I said, and people sometimes just don't want to give up their ding-dongs and ho-hos. <laughs> and the entire audience started laughing, just this deep belly laugh. And I thought, well, this, you know, it's a little bit funny, but it's not that funny. And I found out at the break what that means in Australia. You know, in, in the U.S., those are cheap foods. They're not very good for you, but... <laughs> Ever since, and I've just had a warm place in my heart for Australia. So thank you so much for this interview today. Uh, that's brilliant. It's similar because I'm South African living in Australia. So when I first got here, I also had to learn a new form of English. Yes, yes. So Dr. Tom, tell me about yourself and what it is that you do. I opened a practice in Chicago on Valentine's Day in 1980. And... Um, the day I came out in practice, we already were holistic, comprehensive health. Um, I had been studying with Dr. Jeffrey Bland, the founder of functional medicine. Uh, and uh, I actually was in his first talk in Chicago in 1978. And uh, we, we couldn't get pregnant. My wife and I could not get pregnant when I was in school. So I called the seven most famous holistic doctors I'd ever heard of. And I asked them, what do you do for infertility? And they would say, well, you know what a category one is? And I'd say, no. And they said, learn. I said, okay, category one. And I'd make lists of everything they said. I put a program together and we were pregnant in six weeks. Wow. My neighbors in married housing, we lived on campus. Um, uh, I, I was just going into my internship. They had gone through artificial insemination. Nothing had worked for them. So they asked if I'd work with them. And I said, well, it won't hurt you. Yeah, it's all natural. Sure. They were pregnant in three months. So before I got out in practice, I was hot to trot to help every couple get pregnant who was having a hard time. Yeah. And we opened our practice. We had 33 new patients our first day. You know, it was just fabulous. We were well received and we've helped hundreds and hundreds of people and uh, with uh, uh, infertility problems. And any well, and, but you know, there's not much in medicine that's all or every. This is an every. Every person 
that had hormone imbalances of any type, whether it was infertility, premature ejaculation, um, uh, ovarian cysts, any person with hormone-related problems, they always had foods that they were eating that weren't good for them, and they didn't know that they were not good for them. Every single person. And the most common food turned out to be wheat. And so I read the literature on wheat and uh, kept reading more research articles and research articles and celiac disease back then was what everyone knew about for wheat sensitivity. And then I started talking about this and teaching about this. And by 2004, I was on stage at professional events, symposiums and conferences talking about the dangers of wheat with or without celiac disease. And uh, uh, I've become known for that. I've traveled the world teaching about um, the uh, sensitive, uh, wheat sensitivities, food sensitivities, and the development of autoimmune diseases. Uh, so I, I um, uh, retired from practice a number of years ago, and I travel and teach. Um, I just have come back from Brazil, and uh, before that, I was Italy and Spain and Portugal. So uh, uh, I carry this message out, and it's really wonderful when I see the doctors in the audience go, "Yeah," because they, they just didn't know. I just show them the science, and I just show the study after study after study. And so my goal and what we do now is we have a website, thedr.com, thedoctor.com. Don't spell the word doctor out. And our goal is just to teach people, to give them the information that they can take back to their doctors and say, please do this test. This sounds like this might be a problem for me. Please, let's just check and see. And so the bottom line, because I'm always asked, who should be tested for a sensitivity to wheat, as an example? And the answer comes from my good friend, Dr. Rodney Ford, who is in Christchurch, New Zealand. And Rodney is a pediatric gastroenterologist and a board-certified uh, allergist. And uh, he was a pioneer talking about problems in kids with wheat back in the early 1990s and standing on stage. And he's taken all the shots from his peers saying that he's a nutcase. And now we know, of course, he was right on the money. And what Dr. Ford says when he's asked the question, who should be checked? He said, well, anyone who is sick. So if you're trying your healthcare protocols, what it to be healthy, whatever they are, and they're working not very well, or they're not completely doing the job, you're sick. And just check and see if the most common food that people eat two, three, four, five times a day, every day, if that food is a problem for you. And by the time you feel sick when you eat the food, it's way down the path. You've got autoimmune diseases by then. So you don't feel when you're eating something that's not good for you most of the time. You don't feel it in your stomach. Those are the lucky ones that feel themselves. So anyway, that's how I got into all of this. And I travel the world now, and we just published this book recently, The Autoimmune Fix, shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, 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 so we, we talk a lot about autoimmunity and how it might manifest. And Dr. Tom, it's clear that you're passionate about health. So that's why we're talking today. But why does autoimmune disease occur? What most people don't know, most doctors don't know, we think the number one cause of getting sick and dying is heart disease. And many, many studies say that. 
But when you look at the mechanisms that initiate the whole plugging up of your pipes called atherosclerosis, it's autoimmune. So the autoimmune mechanism is the mechanism that sets up cardiovascular disease, it sets up cancer, it sets up Alzheimer's, it sets up Parkinson's. So this mechanism of your immune system attacking your own tissue, auto, meaning your own tissue, autoimmune, that mechanism is the primary mechanism in getting sick and dying in the world. That means for almost everyone, there's an autoimmune mechanism going on. Now, an autoimmune mechanism doesn't necessarily cause an autoimmune disease. It takes many years. Let me give you an example. When you do a blood test for thyroid, as an example, and you want to see if you have an autoimmune thyroid disease, they measure antibodies to thyroid. And there's a normal reference range when the blood test comes back, the results. If you're within these numbers, you're okay. And if it's above that, you, you got a problem. So why would we ever have any antibodies to our thyroid? Why is it okay for the immune system to attack your own tissue? Mrs. Patient, you have an entire new body every seven years, entirely new body. Some cells turn over very quickly every three to five days for the inside lining of your gut. Some cells are very slow, like your bone cells, but every cell turns over. So you're always building a new body. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get rid of the old and damaged cells to make room for the new cells. Well, how do you do that? That's your immune system making antibodies to your thyroid to get rid of the old thyroid cells, the damaged thyroid cells. Your immune system makes antibodies to your muscles or to your bones or to your kidneys or to your eyes. And you get rid of the old damaged cells, which makes room for new cells. That's how we generate healthy, stronger bodies, right? So most of us are losing more cells than we're making. We call that getting old. And when you start a program that, that's different, six months later, people say, wow, you look so different. What are you doing? That's when you're getting younger because you're making more cells than you're losing, right? Yeah. But the way you get rid of those old and damaged cells is by your immune system making antibodies to those old and damaged cells. So that's normal. But when you have elevated antibodies to your thyroid, blood test comes back and there's an H next to it, meaning high. When you have elevated antibodies, you're killing off more cells than you're making. And when you keep doing that over time, killing off more cells than you're making, eventually that tissue can't work as well as it's supposed to. Like your, if your thyroid doesn't work as well as it's supposed to, you get cold hands and feet, you wear socks to bed, you, you can't wake up in the morning, you hit that snooze a few times, you wish you had 20 more minutes in bed. You don't lose weight even if you don't eat for two days. You know, you can't lose weight. Uh, sluggish thyroid is a very common mechanism for those types of symptoms. So you just feel kind of lousy, but your immune system still is killing off more cells than you're making, killing off more cells, killing off more cells. So months and months of these symptoms, they get a little better, they get a little worse. You keep getting more of these symptoms and more until eventually you go to a doctor, he thinks you're fine, it's all in your head. And then you go to another doctor, and eventually they do a blood test and they see you've got elevated antibodies to your thyroid, you have an autoimmune thyroid disease. But it started way back here when the antibodies were first elevated. 
That's when it starts, not here when the tissue is all damaged and it can't keep up anymore and now you're getting symptoms, right? So this autoimmune spectrum is really important to understand because once you understand this, now remember, it's the number one cause of getting sick and dying in the world, your immune system attacking your own tissue, the number one, number one mechanism. Once you understand this, then you wanna say, well, I feel okay but do I have any antibodies elevated to my brain right now or to my heart or my lungs or my liver? And then you start checking to see, you do a blood test and you find out. You say, oh my gosh, I've got elevated antibodies to myelin. Well, myelin is the saran wrap around your nerves to protect your nerves. And when you kill off myelin, kill off myelin, kill off myelin, kill off myelin, you're wiping away the insulation around the nerves. Now imagine, the wire that goes from the battery of the car to the headlights. Now you take the insulation off that wire somewhere in the middle and you see the exposed wire and then have the exposed wire touch the frame of the car. The lights flicker on and off. And you say, what's wrong with the lights? Well, there's nothing wrong with the lights, right? It's the insulation. This is MS. That's what MS is. When you've killed off enough myelin, that the nerves can't carry the message to your muscles or to your brain or wherever the symptoms are. My point is there is this spectrum and most of us don't know, almost all of us don't know where we are on the spectrum and what antibodies are elevated right now. For example, one more thing and then <laughs> this is question number one, right? For example, everyone knows someone that had a heart attack and is now thriving. They change their diet, they're exercising a little bit, they're thriving. Everyone knows someone that had cancer and they went through the treatment protocol and it's all in remission and they're feeling good. No one knows anyone diagnosed with a brain deterioration disease who's thriving. It terrifies us. It really terrifies us because the whole pharmaceutical industry is based around trying to fix that one symptom, whatever the symptom is. You're never going to do that. Because by the time your brain is not functioning very well, there's a whole checklist of things that are going on. And you have to look and see, do they have this? Do they have that? Do they have this? Do they have that? And when you identify what the mechanisms are on the spectrum that's causing all of this, and you fix the mechanisms, all of a sudden your brain starts feeling better. Two to three months down the road, you're back. You're back. That's amazing. Because you've mentioned there about, you know, like the obvious impact on the body, the outward impact. So fatigue, weight gain, inflammation, right. all of those sort of things. But then why is autoimmune disease on the rise? Really good question. Critically important question. And that's all outlined in here. I think everyone needs to read this book. This is 35 years of my life in here. And there's over 300 references. But I'll tell you, of course, the answer but you get it in great detail, and I'll give you an example afterwards. Why is this happening? Because we are exposed to more toxic chemicals now than ever before in the history of mankind. And these things accumulate in your body. In Norway, the government had a commission, three years, they were debating, should we recommend our pregnant women not to breastfeed a first baby after birth? Should we recommend that? For three years, they were talking about it. Why? Because the PCBs, these toxic chemicals that are in the fish, because the fjords, you know, where Norway is, the fish are in these fjords, 
but the agricultural runoff goes down into the fjords and it's a narrow area. And so this salt water in there is just loaded with these PCBs. So the fish are loaded with PCBs and you eat the fish, you can't tell, it tastes good, but these PCBs accumulate in your body. So five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of these minute amounts, which are not bad, toxic by themselves, but the accumulation of them builds up. And these chemicals have an affinity for estrogen-loving cells. That's why they're called endocrine or hormone-disrupting chemicals, because they bind on estrogen-loving cells. And for men, that's in the testes, and that's why guys have lower sperm counts now. It's a big, big problem and lower testosterone levels. But for women, it's the uterus and the breast. So the, the breasts of young women, uh, fertile women, are loaded with these PCBs, not just from fish, but from the water we're drinking and many other sources. And when a woman has a first child and the mammary glands start producing milk, the lactation process begins, the milk that's coming out is loaded with PCBs, loaded. And these PCBs are brain-disrupting chemicals. It changes how the brains develop in newborns. And it changes how the brain functions, the hormones called neurotransmitters that it makes. So the debate was, should we tell women not to breastfeed a first baby? Because after the first baby, the next baby's fine because she's emptied all the years of accumulative poison that's in her body, that's been emptied now, but it's the first baby. And they finally concluded and they said, no, no, they should breastfeed, it's much more important. There are more benefits to breastfeeding than detriments. That, that was the conclusion of the study. But that's an example of these toxic chemicals. I'll give you one more example, and that's men. They did a meta-analysis, which means they looked at a lot of studies on one subject. And they looked at sperm count in men between 1974 and 2011. So in 37 years, 186 studies all over the world, 186 different research teams studying this one topic. What'd they find out? And these are healthy men, not infertile men, healthy men. There is on average a 59% reduction in sperm counts in healthy men. Now, what does that mean? Scientists fear extinction of a species at 72% loss of sperm. We're at 59% in 37 years. What do you think is going to happen in the next 20 years with all the chemicals we're exposed to? The flame retardant chemicals in your comforter on your bed. How many people do you know whose lives have been saved because they wore clothes or slept under flame retardant chemicals? I don't know many. And this stuff accumulates in your body. The BPA in the plastic lids on coffee cups that drips back into the coffee and you drink it and the, the hot beverage hits the underside of the lid and it tapers down into the opening and you're drinking your coffee full of bisphenol A. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So we're exposed to all these toxic chemicals. That's the threat. Now, Mrs. Patient, your immune system is the armed forces in your body. It's the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard. It's there to protect you. So when these toxic chemicals come in, 
your immune system has to get rid of these things as best as it can. And your immune system is fighting so hard every single day to protect you. So it's firing these chemical bullets um, uh, from the antibodies to these toxic chemicals to try and protect you. But these toxic chemicals get stored inside your tissue, inside your cells. So when your immune system's trying to protect you by killing off the bisphenol A, it also is going after the myelin that the bisphenol A is inside of, or it's going after the brain cells that the bisphenol A is inside of, or it's going after the brain cells that the bacteria or the viruses are inside of. And so your immune system killing off the bacteria, for example, with Lyme disease, killing off the bacteria, causes collateral damage, and you damage the brain cells around where the Lyme disease bacteria is, now you have to make more antibodies to get rid of the damaged brain cells to make new brain cells. But because it's going on and on and on and on, and, and it just keeps going like this, eventually you start killing off your cells. That's autoimmunity. So it's an immune system that's trying to protect you so you never want to shut down the immune system, well, rarely, sometimes you do, but rarely, you want to encourage the immune system and get rid of the threat. So that's the big deal, get rid of the threat. And that's what the autoimmune fix is about. And we traveled the world, and I interviewed 85 of the world's leaders in autoimmunity, the scientists whose research papers I had read. And then I interviewed the doctors who were doing what the research scientists said to do for rheumatoid arthritis or for MS or whatever it should be. And then I interviewed the patients of the doctors who had reversed their MS. And you hear this 44-year-old woman in London, lovely lady, and she said, you know, I took the tube to come here today for this interview. This tube station is seven blocks from here. I walked. That's not a big deal. And then she paused and you saw tears in her eyes and she said, but it is. Two years ago, I was in a wheelchair and I had eight lesions on my brain. And you see the MRI with these little white spots on it. Now today, I only have two lesions on the brain and I don't have any symptoms. So we put together betrayal. The scientists, the doctors, the patients. And we made a story out of it. There's nine episodes, they're all about an hour. It's all free. It's online at thedr.com, thedoctor.com forward slash betrayal. And we've had over 500,000 people watch this. And it's free to everyone. So feel thedoctor.com forward slash betrayal. And I talk all about this and about where do these diseases come from? Where do these brain diseases come from? Where do the heart diseases come from? And when you learn this stuff, you start asking more questions of your doctors. Yes, you're talking about functional medicine. And in the medical fraternity, there's still division amongst you about traditional practice of general practitioners versus functional medicine. And thank goodness there are people like you, Dr. Tom, who are making a big wave because things need to change. So I'm also interested in how we can prevent or turn around autoimmune disease naturally. What are some of the things we can do? You have to learn what to do. 
And it's not a simple, oh, I'll just do this and I'm fine. No, you're not. When you read the autoimmune fix, what you learn is that most of our lifestyle is set up for convenience, right? You can't use plastic. You can't put plastic wrap on top of your food because the food absorbs the plastic wrap. It absorbs the plastic in there. You can't use aluminum foil when you see the studies that show that aluminum foil in the oven for 90 minutes at 185 degrees centigrade, and then they look at the aluminum foil uh, under a microscope and you see it's all broken into little pieces. And all those little pieces go in the food and you eat the food. And you can't tell, you can't see it, they're so small, but they accumulate in your body. So just go to Google and type in aluminum and Alzheimer's. And look at all the studies that pop up right away. I mean, there are many sources of aluminum, but the obvious ones get aluminum, uh, stop using underarm deodorants that have aluminum chlorhydrate, stop getting exposure to aluminum in aluminum cans, and of course, stop using aluminum foil. That there are so many things to learn. So the way you reverse an autoimmune disease is twofold. First, recognize there's a whole lot to learn. Threefold, recognize there's a whole lot to learn. Second, understand the principle, base hits win the ball game. I'm an American, so I talk about baseball. But base hits win the ball game. Stop going for home runs. Stop expecting the drugs are going to miraculously fix you. They're not. It's just the marketing from these billion-dollar companies and all everything you see on TV that looks like, oh, look, I can be happy like that. I'll take that drug. And it's all marketing garbage. So... Base hits, keep doing the little things. Oh no, I'm not gonna use aluminum, I'm not gonna buy aluminum foil anymore. Well, what do I use to bake with? Oh, I can use a Pyrex dish, a glass dish to bake in. And you'll start learning, and there's a bunch of tips in the book. You, so you start learning how to transition your lifestyle into a different way. You're not gonna do it overnight, it's gonna take you a while. Be patient with that, base hits win the ball game. And third, there's a Tibetan word, Call, and I'm not sure I can pronounce it right, but I think it's Maitri, M-A-I-T-R-I, Maitri. Some people say Maitri, I don't know. And it means loving kindness and an unconditional friendship with one's self. So you need to be kind to yourself. Know that you're doing your best. You're going to screw up sometimes and just keep going for the little base hits and of course, get the right information. Go to the experts that have put the information together for the big picture overview that makes sense to you when you read it. And don't think there's ever going to be a home run that's going to fix your Lyme disease or fix your Hashimoto's thyroid or fix your brain deterioration. There is no home runs. We've been led to believe that and the billion dollar companies keep making billions more because we just blindly go along doing that. But you've got to go for the base hits, always the base, just the little things to take better care of yourself. So do it kindly and be patient. Dr. Tom, in your book, you talk about things like genetic susceptibility. So there's a lot of talk nowadays about epigenetics. So what's your, your take on this? Just read the science, and you don't need to as a listener, but when you read the science, it's very clear. 
there about 30% of autoimmune diseases are genetic, about that. The rest of them get turned on by epigenetics. What happens around the gene? Epigenetics around the gene is much more important than, oh, I've got the gene for Alzheimer's. Great that you know. Too bad that you've got it, but that's the deck of cards that you were dealt. You can't do anything about that. But now that you know, how do you make sure that gene does not get turned on? And the way you make sure is that you create the environment around the gene, that means inside your body, because the gene's everywhere in your body, right? So that your body does not turn on the gene for brain deterioration. Well, how do I do that? Well, stop the inflammatory process. Stop having so much inflammation, which means stop throwing gasoline on the fire. Well, how do I do that? Find out what foods are really good for you, which ones are not. The basic rule is get the bad stuff out and get the good stuff in, right? So do I have heavy metal toxicity? Do I have PCB accumulations, endocrine disrupting chemicals? There's a whole bunch to learn and you need a guide, a doctor that knows functional medicine, but it's base hits, a little bit base hits. Six months, a year, two years down the road, you're a different person. You're a different body, you're a different person. And we see these reversals of rheumatoid arthritis and Alzheimer's and Hashimoto's thyroid and psoriasis and lupus and scleroderma and vitiligo and alopecia, the loss of your hair. We see these reversals every single day in functional medicine practices. That's brilliant. And so my question also then to almost close our session is, what legacy are you wanting to create with your book, The Autoimmune Fix? Ah, I had the privilege um, when I was in my early 20s to live in a martial arts school in Japan. And it was the traditional martial arts of hundreds of years, the true Budo. And the goal of a teacher, and I've gone through teacher training and all of that, the goal of the teacher is to put your students on your shoulders. So this is where they begin and they take it to the next level. So my goal is that every healthcare practitioner takes this information that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies, but you can't read all those studies. I have, you know, I'm a geek. I love to do that. So you take this, you take all this information and say, well, this is brilliant. This just makes sense. And that's where you begin so that the doctors can just go from my shoulders off and just shine and just take it to the next level and then pay it forward to the next generation. Pay it forward, just give it away, just give it away. That's fabulous, Dr. Tom, I really admire you. And so what are your tips for living fabulously? My trait, be kind to yourself. Make yourself your very best friend in the world. Know that you're doing your best. Sometimes you're gonna screw up. Okay, we all do, we're human. Just be kind to yourself and keep moving forward, just making these little base hits. You do that and you, you win the ball game. Brilliant. And you can find out more about Dr. Tom and his work at www.thedr.com. And he's also on Facebook and he does a lot of live presentations. So you know, start following him on Facebook and you'll get the lowdown of, you know, what's new, what's interesting 
uh, lots to cover. And as you've seen in this interview, we've covered a lot of ground from the hormonal systems to other things like the brain, the heart, all of those things. It's so interconnected and that's what functional medicine is about. It's about integrating us as a whole, even the human spirit. So thank you, Dr. Tom, so much for sharing your wisdom. And I feel really inspired that you're reminding us that it's actually not one thing. There's no silver bullet. It is the collection and desire and learning process that we're going through and you having people like yourselves as teachers for us that actually help us to make that next step and the next step and the next step and be kind to ourselves in the process so thank you so much for being with me on the show today thank you so much it's been a pleasure thank you so much for listening and i would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode you can connect with me on facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.